0: And again, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is called In Secrets. And uh, as as we were reading uh, this passage that talks about uh, giving in secret, praying in secret. Um, it, it made me think of uh, <laughs> something that I saw um, that kind of, uh, uh, I, I actually don't see it as much uh, anymore, but every once in a while you see like on someone's Instagram, you know, someone who's a, a, a Christian and someone who values uh, the devotional life, uh, they'll post something like this. They'll post a picture of them having their quiet time. And I don't know why, but it's oftentimes in a coffee shop, uh, with a Bible open, and oftentimes the Bible is highlighted, you know, to show extra spirituality. Um, you know, maybe sometimes there's a journal, uh, that, that's there. There, there's a, a, a quiet time guide or something like that. And so, uh, th- there, was, uh, um, an article, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Babylon Bee. It's like the Christian version of the Onion. It's like a fake uh, uh, news uh, site. And so they have fake articles, but they had this article that was called, uh, it's kind of hard to see, so I'll read it for you. It says, woman completes quiet time without Instagramming it. And so the article says, according to recently confirmed reports, college junior Paige Wenner had a quiet time with God Wednesday morning without Instagramming it. I suspected something was off when I saw her reading her Bible without her phone in sight, who her roommate told reporters. She had the colored highlighters, the journal, the mocha, even a ray of sunlight. I want to show you that, right? There's usually like a ray of sunlight, <laughs> a ray of sunlight piercing through the window, but no phone. The truth is, I couldn't find it, when her confessed in an afternoon statement released on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, it goes on and on. It's kind of a silly article. And she kind of claims that her, her spiritual gift is encouragement, that through Instagram, that she can encourage people to have their own quiet times. Um, and, uh, you know, there is this sense of, uh, you know, we have this thing uh, in our culture where we, we see people who are kind of showing off, we call it. Um, usually showing off is always meant to be a negative thing, right? Um And there's something that bristles within us about that. We don't like it. We don't like show-offs, right? Yo, dog, nobody likes a show-off. <laughs> nobody likes someone who's bragging or boasting or trying to, you know, show everyone, you know, how good they are, you know, and uh, brothers and sisters, uh, because of that, you know, there's been this whole thing that's developed, uh, this idea of humble bragging, you know, and so yeah, there, there's a sense of like, you know, we want to show off. There's something within us that wants to show off, but we don't want people to know that we're showing off. And so my question is, why is that so bad? Why is it bad to boast or to brag? And, and brothers and sisters, I, I, I want to uh, share something that maybe, you know, comes, uh, uh, that, that is sort of intuitive for us, that we know. But you actually, from a young age, uh, you uh, naturally will want to show up. And, and it's actually kind of important for development. Have you ever noticed, like, young kids, that, like, uh, they'll say to their parents, Mom, Dad, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing. You know, look at how high I can jump or look at how well I can draw, right? Oftentimes if the parent isn't paying attention to their kid, you know, they'll just keep bugging them until they do. If the parent's on the phone or they're working on their computer or, you know, something like that, you know, the kids will just be incessant. They won't stop. Mom, dad, pay attention to me. Look at me. And they say that this is a normal part of development. If uh, the, the the kid doesn't get the attention that they need. They actually become destructive. And you see this, that there are uh, uh, kids that will act out. You know, maybe they'll scream or they'll break things, right? They'll do things and it's almost like a cry for attention. Pay attention to me. There is something in the gaze of the parent that we say, look at me, I want you to see me, to notice me. It is very important. It is something that is important for our identity. There is this sense within ourselves that we want to be seen and noticed. And maybe we even recognize that, that maybe that's our desire for attention, You know, maybe we didn't get enough of it when we were a kid, or maybe it's never enough, (laughs) you know. But there is this sense of we want to know that we matter, that we exist. Because if no one sees you, if no one notices you, that's almost worse than if they notice you and they say bad things about you, right? You know, that's probably like the worst thing, is for people to not ever notice you. And so, a big part of our, our identity is wanting to know that we are seen. Right? And so, you know, there is within us something very visceral. When you go to Facebook or, you know, with Instagram and these different things that now feed this desire. I think this is probably the single greatest invention for Facebook was the like button. (laughs) You know, that there is this sense of, you know, you have a way to give people feedback. I like what you are doing. I like what you are showing me. I like the pictures of your life, right? And I have to admit that there is something within me that, you know, it just kind of feels good. You know, it's not something that maybe I think about all the time, but when I go and I look at the pictures that I posted, when you see This picture got 243 likes. You're like, oh, oh, I was seen. You know, people people like me. People like my life, you know. But you ever post something and you're like, oh, I have this profound Bible quote. Or, you know, I have this great picture. Oh, this comment is so funny. And you post and you go back and there's like one like and it's your mom. You know, or one like, and it was your, 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 your spouse or something like that. Or one like, it was you, you know, you accidentally pressed like, and you're just like, oh, nobody likes me. You know, and there's this game we play. We all want that. We all need that in some sense, but why is that such a bad thing? Why do we have this thing where we're like, ah, nobody likes to show off. Oh, you're boasting. You're bragging. Could it be that there's something within us that recognizes that there is a certain immaturity to that? There's something childlike to saying, mom, dad, look at me. Look at me. Pay attention to me right? And that there's something within us that recognizes we aren't fully formed when we are constantly clamoring for people to notice us. It's not just social media, but there is so much in our lives that is that way. Brothers and sisters, to be honest, you know, would you want to be, uh, because I've thought about this, would you want to be like, uh, sometimes, you know, people like write books and Um, you know, there's many reasons why they do it, but they'll become like, they'll have a pseudonym. They'll write a fake name. Uh, very famously, JK Rowling did this, uh, JK Rowling who wrote what? Harry Potter, yeah, yeah. So it was one of the, the most popular, widely read authors in the universe, right? Uh, she's, you know, sold a bajillion books. I think that's actually technically how many books she sold, a bajillion. Look it up. Just kidding, not a bajillion. But it was a lot, right? And she wanted to write in a different genre. She didn't want to write young adult books. So she wrote this book called Cuckoo's Calling that nobody knew about. But she was like, you know what? I just want to you know, write a different kind of book, like a detective, noir, you know, this kind of like uh, 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 s- sort of detective adult book. And so, you know, I just want this to stand on its own. And nobody read it. And then one day someone found out that, hey, you know what? This person who wrote this book is actually J.K. Rowling. And instantly, overnight, that book became a New York Times bestseller, right? Like in one night, <laughs> just because of the name. Brothers and sisters, would you, like, ever want to write something that became famous, but no one would know that you wrote it? Would you want to accomplish something great, you know? I don't know. Uh, In the youth group, we were doing this thing where, did you ever do, like, that bottle-flipping thing? Right, I told them that David Beck would give them $100 if they were able to do it three times in a row. And I did that without asking David Beck. Sorry, David Beck. <laughs> but they kept doing it, right? And, and so sometimes they got like really close and everybody was watching, especially when they got close. They got two in a row. We're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you're going to do it. And then it inevitably would fall and they wouldn't do it, right? So David didn't have to pay $100. Don't worry. He's fine. Uh, but brothers and sisters, would you want to do that if nobody was watching? Do you ever do something great like that? You do the bottle flip three times in a row and you're like, did nobody see that? Seriously, nobody saw what I just did? You know, we have this great desire, you know, and uh, we have this whole language now where we want to be known we want people to see us, but we don't want people to know that we want them to see us. It's so silly, right? We have this thing called humble bragging. Um, and and, and I talked about this before, uh, but now it's just becoming part of the vernacular. Uh, the other day, I was uh, complaining about how, uh, because I've like lost a lot of weight recently, that uh, um, like metal chairs kind of hurt because I don't have as much cushioning on my kundengi, on my, on my behind, right? And so metal chair is like, I'm like, oh, you know, I feel the pain. So I was telling someone that, and they're like, oh, nice humble brag, Pastor Steve, you know? And I was like, I had this like very meta moment. I was like, was I humble bragging? Was I humble bragging? Like, or was I just talking about my life? Did I mean to humble brag? Maybe I was humble bragging, and I didn't know I was humble bragging. And now the the even crazier thing that maybe will really mess with your mind, don't overthink it, but Pastor Steve preaching about humble bragging... Am I now humble preaching about humble bragging? Just, oh, pff, your b- brain will explode, right? And brothers and sisters, Jesus knew what a kind of mind trip this would be. And so he has a very handy way. When you are praying or when you are doing things for God, he has a very handy way to make sure that, that you, you don't have to play this game of like, what are my intentions? Am I really doing this for God? Or am I doing this because I want to be seen? Am I doing this because I want the attention? And Jesus' very handy way of dealing with this is saying, do it in secret. Do it in secret. That's what the scripture is about. Brothers and sisters, that phrase is going to appear again and again and again. In secret. In secret. Why is it such a big deal? Yes, there is something about The fact that if we don't do it in secret, we're not going to really know what our intentions are. But there is something even more profound about it. And so I want to point this out before we read the scripture. It says something very strange about God that maybe we don't normally think of. Brothers and sisters, is God a showy God? Sometimes we say that, like when we look at like a sunset, it's so beautiful. And you're like, God, now you're just showing off, right? You know, and we say these things and we hear these things in scripture. The whole earth is full of your glory. Sometimes we think about God and we're like, is God a big cosmic show off? Is God a big attention seeker that he just wants your praise? Worship me, worship me, worship me. Oh my gosh, is God so narcissistic like that? But it says something here that is pretty contrary to that. It says the very nature of God is God is in secret. God is in secret. And so, uh, th- let's read this, if you don't believe me, but you'll see this here. And so, you, th- that phrase, in secret, is going to come up again and again and again. But there's something very important about it. Let's take a look. Uh, verse 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Right? That we were talking about that thing. We want to be seen by people. So beware of practicing your righteousness to be seen for then you will have no reward from your heaven for, from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, right? Um, so, so sound no trumpet. It's kind of funny, but you know, it's kind of like, like announcing to everyone, Hey, everyone pay attention, you know, to like sound the trumpet. Like everyone would look at you and be like, Oh, Oh, you're all looking at me. Well, Look at me, give to this homeless person, right? And you're doing it to kind of show off. You're doing it so that people will notice you. Um, and so Jesus says not to do that. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues in the streets. And remember, hypocrite is Jesus's word that he uses oftentimes for religious people. Um, and it means actor. It means somebody who is not the same on the outside and on the inside, right? And so the hypocrites are acting righteous, they're not actually righteous. They're acting righteous. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What is their reward? What is the reward for the religious person who practices their deeds in front of people? And then people are like, oh, oh my gosh, you're so good. What, what is their reward? It's that, isn't it? It's the applause of other people. It's the esteem, right? It's the, a boy, you know, you're so good, right? The pat on the back. And brothers and sisters, there's something very important that we have to remember about all of this. From the very beginning, we were talking about Jesus in his very nature came to bring about a different kind of kingdom. And kingdom, the word is about power. And Jesus, ironically, the way he was bringing about his power, God's power, was to empty himself of power. What God is trying to call us to, in order for us to really understand the kingdom, we must empty ourselves of power. And so much of life is trying to become someone by power. And so we mention that this society, uh, uh, the, the, the society of uh, the Israelites, of, of Judaism, uh, this was a very traditional society that was uh, uh, founded on the kinship system. That is the base of their power, is the family. And the most important thing in a kinship system, which, by the way, is actually very similar to Korea. Korea is the same way. What is the way that you get power in a kinship system. What is the way? You get it through respect, through esteem, right? Through other people noticing you, right? And so the, the respect and esteem that you get from other people, that is what defines people, Right? So Jesus, sometimes he would mock these religious people. He's like, you know what? All you care about is what other people think about you. You wear these nice robes. You do your deeds in front of other people so that you can get that esteem, right? So that you can get that respect. You yeah, maybe they pray nice prayers in front of people. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you today. And then people are like, oh, look at how religious they are. Look at how spiritual they are, right? And that was currency in this society. That was power. And Jesus was not about that. He came to empty himself of power, right? Because kingdom is about power. In order for God's kingdom to come, our kingdom must go. In order for God's power to reign, our power needs to disappear, We need to let go of it, right? And so there's something fundamental that's going on. When you are trying to get power for yourself, when you are trying to get esteem for yourself, then in many ways, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, right? You cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so that's why Jesus is so keen on this, Right? Jesus is very, uh, uh, just very clear that we are not supposed to do these things in order to accrue esteem, in order to accrue power, to get people to like you, to get people to praise you, right? And remember, do you, do you guys remember uh, when Jesus goes into the desert and his uh, 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 identity? is being questioned by the devil. The devil's like, if you really were the son of God, then you would do X, Y, and Z. And remember that Jesus's identity is built on one thing and one thing alone, which is what? What is Jesus's identity? He's the son of God. And somebody, son of God. Yes, maybe you're like, I don't want to practice my righteousness (laughs) in front of others. Uh, Good job. (laughs) So he's the son of God, right? That's just something that's given to him. He doesn't need to earn that. He doesn't need to prove that. He just is a son, right? That is what all of our identities are supposed to be based on. But basically what Satan is trying to do is what he's trying to tempt Jesus to do is to prove his identity. Prove it. If you're really the son of God, then, you know what? Go up on top of the temple where a lot of people are going to be worshiping God. There's going to be a ton of people there. And then launch yourself off the temple. Just fall. And then the angels will catch you. And then everyone will praise you. Everyone will esteem you. Right? Everyone will say, oh my gosh, look, he's the Messiah. And Jesus does not play that game says, no, you will not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to play that esteem game anymore, right? But that's so much of what our society is about. For some of us, you know, like, like uh, uh, sometimes like, you know, <laughs> we live in a world where like, like we both want to ask people, what do you do? What is your job? But one of the things that I learned in church is they say that you're actually not supposed to ask that. That it's kind of rude. Like when you when you talk to someone for the first time, you know, they say like, "Oh, what is it you do?" Because that that the, the, the reason for this that some people say is because it's almost like, you know, um people have to uh sort of, you know, uh prove themselves in some way. Um, or, you know, maybe someone doesn't have a job or maybe they have a job they're not proud of, you know, uh, maybe you, you have a church where there's a lot of really well to do people. And this person is more blue collar, you know, or maybe they just lost their job, whatever the case may be. And to be like, hey, so what is it you do that that could be a question that induces shame um, or it's a, a question that that induces uh, uh, esteem and, and honor uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., this is the number one question what, that people would ask you, right? They're like, so what do you do? Right? Because in Washington, D.C., there's all these people who are like very powerful or very rich, you know? And I remember once uh, I was with a group of friends and, and I met some people for the first time and they're like, oh, so what is it you do? And I was like, oh, well, I, I'm training to be a pastor. I, I go to seminary. And they're like, oh, well, I'm in interning for Senator so-and-so. Right. And you can just kind of hear it in their voice. Right. This is kind of like, like, oh, well, you're no one, but I'm someone, you know, and brothers and sisters, there is this thing, this game that we play that maybe we think, you know what? Am I enough? Am I enough? Am I good enough? Have I proven myself enough? If I were to end my life at this job or stage in my life, is that enough? Did I, did I accomplish enough? Can, can, can I really say that my life mattered, right? Those are all questions of identity. And if you've ever played that game before, you know, and, and to be honest, brothers and sisters, I think it's a big reason why college is such an important thing for us. What college did you get into? What college are you going to? I went to a private school uh, in, in Cincinnati, and this was a big deal. Uh, for the seniors, right? And it was a question that we all hated when we went to church and the parents would ask us, so Steve, what college are you going into? And I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm going to this school that maybe wasn't, you know, ranked very high. I wanted to look at them and say, I'm going to Harvard. They're like, oh, you're going to Harvard. Oh, your parents must be so good. And, you know, you you come from a good family and you're so well-educated, right? And I wonder for many of us, you know, we don't want to say certain schools. We want to say Michigan, right? Michigan's a good school. Maybe there's some other schools that doesn't give us the same kind of esteem. Brothers and sisters, do you see how we all play this game? We all play this game. It's just a part of life. There is a reason though, why Jesus is encouraging us not to play this game. And the reason comes in, what we told you about God. God exists in secret. So uh, let's continue. Uh, the, the verses 5 and 6. It says, um, that, uh, oh, oh yeah, it says, Well, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So your Father sees in secret. That's not that big news. But then it continues to say, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. That's it. There it goes again, the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will will reward you throughout Jesus's life. You see Jesus doing things in secret is one of the most common things. After Jesus would perform a miracle, he would very quickly tell his disciples. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone until after I die. Right? Why? Why Jesus? That makes no sense. Why are you even performing these miracles then, right? Isn't it to get more followers? Isn't it to get more people to believe in you? Wouldn't you want us to broadcast this? But there is this this whole idea that even after they're like, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You're the one we have all been waiting for. And Jesus, right after that, says, Shh, don't tell anyone. Do you remember there are these passages where Jesus is constantly... He is. Uh, it says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus' very ministry, His life was all about emptying Himself of that status of being like God. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be taken advantage of, something to be owned. But instead, He emptied Himself. He became a servant. He became nothing. Right? And Jesus could have been born in any family. But we talked about this in youth group. Jesus was part of the working class, the artisans, and he was one of the poor. He wasn't the poorest of the poor, because there was the very, very poor, the beggars, uh, the lepers, that sort of people. But make no mistake, Jesus was very poor. We talked about this in youth group, that uh, when uh, Jesus is being consecrated at the temple, that uh, Mary and Joseph bring uh, two doves instead of the customary dove and a lamb. Because there's an allowance in scripture that if you are poor, if you cannot afford a lamb, you can just bring two doves. And so that's exactly what Joseph and Mary do. And the implication is unmistakable. They were poor. They were very, very poor. Jesus could have been born to anyone. He was a king. Why not be born a king? Wouldn't it be so much easier? But no. He was born into the family of a poor carpenter. In a nothing town, Nazareth. Nobody knew Nazareth. Do you remember? People used to make fun of him. The Pharisees would be like, does anything good come from Nazareth? Right? This is some backwater town. Nobody comes from Nazareth, right? Why? And do you remember Jesus talks about like, he's always talking about glorifying the Father. Father, in the passage in John 14 through 17, he's closing prayer that is done only with the disciples present. It's all about Father, I have come to glorify you. I want them to see you. It's all about you. And then you also have the Father. Do you remember when Jesus is being baptized? What does the Father say? The voice of God. Very few times in scripture do you hear the voice of God. And when God speaks to the people in an audible voice, his message is all about Jesus. It's not about him. He's like, hey guys, pay attention to me. Glorify me. He says, no, this is my son whom I love. Pay attention to him. Listen to him. Then you have the Holy Spirit, right? You got this Trinity, right? And in the Trinity, in the the Trinity, the one that we always overlook is the Holy Spirit. Some scholars call the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity. And what is the Holy Spirit then all about? The Holy Spirit is not like, hey guys, aren't I cool? I'm a spirit, I'm a ghost, holy ghost. Woo! Pay attention to me, worship me. No, the Holy Spirit's ministry is all about the Father and the Son. There is something very, very telling in all of that. Why are we supposed to give? Why do we give money to people? Why do we help people? In verse uh, 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Because that might be the reason why you do it. For many of us, brothers and sisters, we have a mix of motives. And maybe for some of us, we're like, well... Pastor Steve, I'm all about efficiency, right? Let's be efficient. Yeah, I do want to get some esteem. I do want people to know I'm a good guy, but I also want to help people, right? Because they're poor and they need help. And you know what? I also want God to bless me and you know, I, 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 w- I want to do the things that God tells me to. So it's a three for one. Everyone wins, right? But notice what Jesus says. When we give to the needy, and we do it in front of people. He says, you have received your reward. When you pray in front of people and you pray very impressively and other people are like, oh, oh, look how holy and spiritual you are. You have received your reward. But when you do it in secret, then the father who is in secret and sees in secret will reward you. So the question is, what is your reward? What is your reward? Remember, why do we do it when we're in front of other people? Yeah, of course, there's a mix of motives. But the part that Jesus is trying to take away from you is that esteem and honor and power that you are trying to get. Your identity being made on what other people say about you. So what is the reward that you get when you do it in secret? The reward, brothers and sisters, is God. That's the reward, is God, his very nature. This is the thing. God's very nature is a giving nature. God's very nature is love. God's very nature is selflessness. And you see that in the Trinity. They're constantly pointing to the other father is pointing to son look at the son pay attention to the son son says listen to my father obey my father pay attention to the father the Holy Spirit's like pay attention to both of them right and they're constantly doing this dance where they are bringing glory to the other member of the Trinity and then Jesus comes to us and says father bless them And Jesus, in his very nature, what does he do here on earth? I mean, this is one of the things that Jesus doesn't say, come and worship me. Seriously, look it up. When does Jesus ever tell us to worship him? People worship him, and he doesn't stop them, right? Because he knows it's going to be pointless, right? Like the Hosanna thing. He's like, hey, if you try to quiet them, even the stones will cry out. You can't help it, right? But he doesn't say, hey, guys, I'm a king. I'm worthy of your worship. I'm the son of God. Come on, bring it. Worship me. He never does that. Never does that. Right? So the very nature of God is to glorify God. (laughs) The other persons of God. The very nature of God is to give. Jesus came to give and he gave his life to us. He came to serve us, to love us, right? And yes, it was ultimately so that God could be glorified, but he also gave his life to you. And so when we give, there is something very godly about that. There's something very Christ-like that you can experience when you give to other people. But when you do it to get esteem, to get your identity based on that, then you got your reward. And by the way, what is your reward? Your reward is a false identity. Your reward is trying to build up yourself based on what other people think about you. And this is a game you will always lose. At the end of the day, why are people your friends? Why do people like you? Why do people admire you? Why do people follow you on Instagram? Is it because they love you or is it because they love the things that you do? This is a question famous people ask themselves all the time. If I weren't famous, <laughs> would people like me? <laughs> right? if, if I wasn't on TV, if I didn't sing well, if I didn't perform well, if I didn't make lots of money, if, if I wasn't beautiful in an exterior sense, would people still like me? And of course, the question that we fear is no. Would I really be somebody if nobody noticed me or looked at me? And for Jesus, the answer was always yes. I know exactly who I am. I am the son of God. And there's only one place where you can truly discover that. That is in secret. It's in secret. I want to read for you. Uh, this is a quote from Thomas Merton where he talks about this. It's a little bit of a lengthier quote, but he says it much better than I can. And so I want to read this for you. And by the way, this comes right after a passage where he is deconstructing these false selves, these identities that we try to build on exterior things, on what you do, your performance, how much money you make. He's like, all these things are not real, right? God doesn't know that person because that's not really you. If you want to find yourself, there's only one way to find yourself. And so this is what Thomas Merton says. He says, um, the secret of my identity is hidden in the love and mercy of God. But whatever is in God is really identical with Him. For His infinite simplicity admits no division and no distinction. Therefore, I cannot hope to find myself anywhere except in Him. Ultimately, the only way I can be myself is to come identified with Him in whom is hidden the... Uh, The reason and fulfillment of my existence. Therefore, there is only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend. To discover myself in discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself. And if I find my true self, I will find him. But although this looks simple, it is in reality immensely difficult. In fact, if I am left to myself, it will be utterly impossible. For although I can know something of God's existence in nature by my own reason, there is no human and rational way in which I can uh, arrive at that contact, that possession of him, which will be the discovery of who he really is and who I am in him. That is something that no man can ever do alone. Nor can all the men and all the created things in the universe help him in this work. The only one who can teach me to find God is God himself alone. And so what what he's saying in this is that there is no way that you can find God on your own. We've tried. You can't find yourself alone, let alone God. How many of us have spent our entire lives or maybe you've experienced this and you will continue to experience this? That you live your life and you do it for the esteem of other people. Come notice me, like me. Tell me I'm worth something. And at the end of the day, you're still asking that question. Who am I? Who am I? You can't even find yourself. Let alone find God. And the, the funny thing is, as, uh, uh, Thomas Merton says, the only way you can find yourself is in God. But you can't do that on your own. You can't find God out there. The only place you can find God is in God. And God tells us in his scripture, God is found in secret. In secret. When no one is looking. You remember, guys, Jesus would sneak away before the day would begin and all the people would be crying out for him. Save me, save me, do a miracle, do a miracle. Jesus, come over here, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. But for all that, Jesus would sneak away into a lonely place, as the scripture says, a desolate place. No one else is there, but he would just be with God alone in secret. And brothers and sisters, I wonder if that is where Jesus really learned, you know, the secrets of God (laughs) in many ways. I, I believe it was in secret in the desert where Jesus really learned who he was, right? And in many ways, brothers and sisters, that's what we need. I want to encourage you guys in your time of prayer, in whatever you do to try to find yourself in God, in those secret places, I want to close uh, by uh, talking about a scripture that seems very different than what we just read. And by the way, this was just one chapter before. This is chapter 5, and we're now in chapter 6. So this is the same sermon. Jesus would have said this in the same discourse, right? And so they seem kind of opposed, but I want you to notice the difference. Pastor Steve, you just spent this whole time explaining to us that we're supposed to do these things in secret. And here, one chapter before, Jesus says to do it in public so that other people can see what you do. Which one is it? Brothers and sisters, what is the difference here? Why in one does it talk about doing it in secret and then the other one it talks about doing it in public? One of the things that you'll notice is I highlighted a word, glory. Let's go back here, where it says, um, Maybe it's not there. <laughs> but basically, why are these people doing uh, the actions that they're doing in front of people? Who do they ultimately want to be glorified? themselves, right? But here we see, I I, I called this sort of the purpose statement of the Sermon on the Mount. This is where we are supposed to go, right? This is the purpose of our lives. Yes, eventually you will be showing your deeds in front of people. God wants that, right? But for what purpose? To bring glory to yourself? No. So that they may see your good works, but not give glory to you but to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are called the light of the world, right? A light is not just light on the outside. A light is light through and through. Jesus criticizes the the Pharisees because he calls them hypocrites. He says, you are just trying to look like light. But on the inside, you are full of darkness. Jesus is not calling you to look like light. He is calling you to be light. And when you are light, you can't help but shine. You see this is in Jesus' life. You see that very pattern. Jesus was just light. He was just awesome. He was just love. He was just kindness. He was just grace and mercy. And even though he told people, shh, don't tell them. Don't tell them. People still notice. He didn't do it to draw attention to himself, to build his identity. He did it because God wanted him to. And he did it ultimately to glorify God. And yes, people noticed. But they noticed because he just was light. And you can't ignore light. If you're in a dark place and there's a light, it doesn't matter how small that light is. You will notice it. Right, It's just going to shine. That's just what it does. When we are the children of God, as God is forming us and shaping us in his image, as we learn to be more ourselves, as we learn to be with the God who is in secret, our hope is that you will just automatically shine. Right? Have you ever heard people say that uh, nice people don't need to say that they're nice? And I think I've talked about this before, that like guys that that say to girls or whoever else, I'm a really nice guy. I'm a really nice guy. You're probably not that nice, right? If you have to tell people how smart you are, you're probably not that smart. Guys, I'm so smart. I'm so smart, right? You're probably not that smart, right? We do that because of an insecurity. If we have to tell people, pay attention to me. Look at me, I'm worth something. It's because we fear that we're not. But when we really are, who God wants us to be, they can't help but notice. You don't need to advertise it. It's just going to shine from you. Praise team, can you guys come up? I know I talk a lot about prayer and praying in that secret place. You know, sometimes we pray in front of other people. And, you know, sometimes I think that's what gets us going. (laughs) I'll be honest, there are times where, you know, i pray in front of people, like at church, and, you know, it's kind of this game where it's like, yeah, I I feel like praying, but maybe I'm just praying because other people are praying. And maybe it, it does make me look spiritual. And I don't know, I got this mix of motives here, you know? But is there a way where I can just be with God in secret, and we're going to talk about this in coming weeks, but it talks about like not needing to use lots of words to convince God. <laughs> but just being with this God who is in secret, God sees you. He knows you. You, you don't need to convince him with lots of words. Right? He, 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 just, he sees you. He knows you. And in many ways, we might think we have to prove something to God. God, I'm going to prove it to you by my many words, just how good of a prayer I am. God, I'm going to prove in front of all these people just how much I love you. Brothers and sisters, God just wants us to to stop playing those games. Just be with me and find out who you really are. You're just my child. That's all you need and that's enough. And come know me who is grace. I am love. Love that doesn't pay attention to itself. Love that doesn't draw attention to itself. Love that doesn't need to make everyone (laughs) turn and stare and give acclaim. God is just love. He just wants to give himself to you. So just in this moment, let's just be still before God. it's a very intimate thing to be still with God it's kind of scary (laughs) it's unfamiliar all we know is we we think that we know we think that this life is all about moving around and waving our arms and doing these things to impress people maybe if we stop moving then we would find out just how big a fraud we are. Maybe that's what's so scary about being still. Because when you're still, you're not doing anything. You can't impress anybody. But it's just you. It's just you at your core. Just you and God. That's it. Brothers and sisters, maybe in this moment, God wants you to know you are enough. You are enough. You're my child. I love you. Stop trying to prove to everyone how good you are. Stop trying to get attention and acclaim. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough because I say you are. Because you are my child. And all you need is me. All you need is It's my very self. Come, find yourself in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.